With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. So it is May 16th. Um, you know, it is, we're, we're, should be in spring. There should be that kind of spring rush of, of cryptocurrencies and blockchain companies kind of coming alive for the year. Um, and, and we're still seeing a lot of, of developers and uh, project leaders still staying a little quiet right now. Um, we, the most noise that I, I'm hearing is, is overseas. You know, I'm American based. Um, and we're, we're just hearing so much much about Dubai. We're hearing so much about the EU. And the only things that we're hearing a lot about in the US is no, no, and lawsuits. Um, the SEC has just been absolutely brutal these past few weeks uh, related to any any anything even related or touching cryptocurrencies or digitized assets. And I think that's really sad and, and, and scary. And so I'm super excited today uh, for our guest, uh, Camille Russo, um, because you have so much experience and, and really thought leadership in this in this area. So let me just, you know, without a further ado, um, introduce our, our guest today. Um, hi, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, great to be here. Uh, I wish it was in a, in a friendlier crypto environment in the U.S., like you mentioned, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, yeah, if, if, if I, you know, I can just start, uh, I can briefly introduce myself for uh, your listeners who might uh, not know me, if that's helpful. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're you're incredibly well known. Your book is is selling in the you know twenty thousand plus uh, you know copies you know right off the bat, and so which is absolutely amazing, uh, especially for something in in an asset class as small as we are today. Um, and so, yeah, just a, a brief you know kind of background of of how you showed up here today. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm the founder of the Defiant, um, and the Defiant is uh, the best and most trusted source for. DeFi and Web3 information. Uh, we have uh, our daily news that uh, come on our website, thedefined.io, uh, a few newsletters, uh, our podcast, our YouTube channel with daily videos. So and everyone, please uh, subscribe to all of the above. Um, as you mentioned, I'm also the author of The Infinite Machine, uh, which is the first book on the history of Ethereum. And previously, I was a reporter at Bloomberg News. Um, that's where I got my finance journalism chops. I was there for uh, almost a decade, uh, based in New York, in Buenos Aires, and in Madrid. So that's a bit odd myself. No, that and that's fabulous. And I think what's so so much so exciting to me is when we have a journalist and, and an entrepreneur like you on is. There is so much chaos that occurs every single day, and so we talk a lot about you know if you're not following uh, the news, if you're not keeping up with the asset class, whatever you knew last year is completely irrelevant. Mm -hmm. What you what you knew last week is almost certainly outdated as well. How do you you know kind of keep up with just the chaos of this asset class? Um, well, I'm I'm kind of uh, forced to you know in 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 some ways. Uh, because uh, at the Defined, you know, we, we're staying on top of the industry uh, daily uh, with our, you know, our, our coverage. 
Yeah, so I mean, we have our, our, our daily uh, editorial meetings where we discuss, uh, you know, the, the latest developments and news. Um, and it, it comes from like all different sources. It's from announcements of uh, companies that are flooding our inboxes. Uh, it comes from crypto Twitter, I think is like a major source for anyone covering the space. Uh, that's where uh, many, you know, developers and projects go first to make uh, announcements or break news. Um, and then just, uh, you know, talking to people in the space, uh, we make it, make it a habit of being in projects, uh, Discord, like attend their community calls, just like being on the ground, uh, reporting kind of in the trenches uh, of Web3, visiting all the like governance forums. Um, so, I mean, the bad news about covering Web3 is that it's it seems really chaotic um, and there's so much happening. Uh, but the good news is that uh, it's really transparent from like on-chain uh, developments that, you know, if, if you can uh, read the, uh, you know, uh, ether scan, if you can kind of um, make out what, what's happening on-chain, it's, it's all there for reporters. So it's an amazing resource. And a lot of these uh, decisions, like I said, are happening in governance forums. So those are tools that as a traditional financial reporter, I couldn't have, you know, had access to, but covering uh, crypto on Web3, um, it's, it's all uh, a lot more transparent. Yeah, and I think that's the, the biggest question I have is, is that, you know, w there's, there's no real kind of mainstream governance, per se, across the entire asset class. So there's no, you know, regulatory body, and that's the way we want it. We want it to be decentralized. Um, but, but with so many scams, you know, there, there's every, every day, there's, you know, some hack, a bridge, there's, there's this, there's that. And, and a majority of our developer community is, is still, you know, and it remains anonymous. Um, you know, and you guys do an amazing job of, of always prefacing these things in your stories. You know, how do you manage when, when you've got an Anon developer that's promising the world um, and, and there's serious repercussions if, if they're a scammer behind the scenes for you to publish what they're doing? Um, so it's, it's a question like, how do we deal with... Uh, yeah, how, do you deal, how do you deal with the Anons? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's something that uh, I had to to adjust uh, coming from from Bloomberg, which has you know very uh, strict standards on like who who you can call a source, like who you can publish and and who you can't. Um, so in covering Web three, um, you you have to publish uh, you know anonymous sources because you know so. so so much of the space is anonymous. Like so many mm -hmm. highly regarded developers and founders are anonymous. Um, I don't know, like uh, Bantek com comes to my like He's leading uh, year in finance, like one of the biggest uh, DeFi protocols out there. And and he's he's anon. Um, I've had uh, a few founders on, on my podcast who, uh, who, who are anonymous and they've, you know, they've used kind of this... Um, a filter to not show their face and i've been like having like really serious conversations with like an anime cartoon on the other <laughs> side you know so like um i had chef Scooby, Mackie Scooby from Troubles. yeah <laughs> scooby troubles yeah uh chef uh, Mackie from uh, sushi swap and a couple yep. of others uh so you know it's it it's something that uh, 
it's a new way of covering uh, uh, finance, uh, allowing for these um, anonymous uh, personalities to have have a voice because it is part of the ethos of this new financial system. You know that it doesn't matter who you are, uh, what your background is, uh, it's you know where you come from. It's a lot more meritocratic in a way. It's you know anyone can contribute uh, to these decentralized organizations. Um, if your contributions uh, make an impact, you can rise the ranks and you know become a leader of a project without ever having met any of your teammates. So it's a whole new way of working, and journalists have to reflect that in in our work in in what we publish. But it does take a lot more um, experience uh, because you have to kind of um, be so in the weeds, like in the community um, and kind of know the space well enough to understand, okay, who actually has the, the track record, like who is uh, trustworthy enough to interview and to quote for a story and, and who isn't. Um, yeah. So, you know, not, not just because somebody is anonymous doesn't mean that they, they, they shouldn't be held accountable um, and shouldn't have like a, a, a track record that, that merits them to be quoted in a story. You know, one of the one of the most amazing things about Web three and, and and blockchain overall is, is just how fast you know the stories evolve. You know, when when Bear Stearns or, or Enron you know had troubles, you know it takes weeks to months for that to actually you know surface uh, to the public, and then usually months, if not years, for us to understand what happened. When FTX, you know, like it went from like, hey, there may be something wrong to full implosion. And then, you know, detailed analysts, uh, analysis of where things were flowing literally within hours of, of those things going down. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you're at, at that point, you're now getting inundated with, with your previous colleagues from Bloomberg saying, what's going on and how do you explain this? How, mm-hmm. how do you even begin to educate the, the general population on something as complicated um, as what the FTX scam was early on? Well, actually, I think that in the case of FTX, um, what happened is isn't that new, you know. It, I think no. you know it, it was uh, fraud, uh, plain and simple financial fraud, uh, same as we've seen before in traditional finance. You know, it was um, this organization which had a, an exchange and a hedge fund. It was just to put it very plainly. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, stealing money from users of the FTX exchange to gamble it away at Alameda Research, the hedge fund. That's basically what happened in, in very simple terms. It had yeah. nothing to do with crypto, nothing to do with uh, blockchain. Um, so, you know, I, I think any financial reporter who's, you know, been in this space for a while has come across this, this type of uh, fraud, unfortunately. Uh, so it's not unique to crypto. Um, uh, there, there are other aspects of, of covering crypto that are really complex and, and take, uh, you know, having to learn a whole new uh, discipline. But in the case of FTX, unfortunately, you know, it's something that we see time and time again. So, so the Luna one would have been, would have been a much harder uh, story. Oh yeah, to, to yeah, that, that's yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's that's uh, some type of like 
magical money kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> blockchain, blockchain pixie dust, as I like to call it. Yeah. Um, as, as long as we have you, and, and you're probably one of the most you know in depth uh, you know reporters on all this. What, what's your um, analysis, you know, right now of, of what we're kind of learning about what happened over a year ago that the potentially jump you know was was involved that this was a malicious. Um, you know, kind of attack, and I've heard I've heard both sides of the party. Where some people saying, "Hey, it, it's not an exploit; it was it was just it was there; it was fine." And others saying, "You know, hey, that 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 shouldn't have happened because it it hurt the entire industry." Um, you know, what's your kind of thoughts? You know, no, there's no right answer on this one around what what occurred with Luna. Sorry, on on FTX. On Luna, I'm sorry. On Luna. Uh, okay. Um, so. Okay, so my take on, on, on like the whole Terra Luna thing, um, it, it's so complicated. Um, that's, why, because, that's why I'm asking you to explain it, because it really is hard to explain, you know, the, the complexities of all the different players in there. Yeah, so essentially what happened there was that uh, this ecosystem had a, um, a stable coin called UST and a volatile asset uh, called uh, Luna, and this was all happening in the Terra uh, blockchain. And um, Do Kwan is the you know founder and leader of, of all this ecosystem. And so what happened was that uh, UST, the stablecoin. So stablecoins are uh, tokens that are linked at uh, are pegged at one to one to the dollar, so that you know they're stable. Um, and uh, this stablecoin was backed by. Uh, Luna uh, collateral. So it was, you know, um, it, the way that it uh, that, that people were able to redeem uh, uh, dollars for or like the, the dollar equivalent for mm-hmm. every UST uh, was by uh, having this uh, this collateral backing of, of a Luna token, um, and then. What was behind Luna itself was this lending uh, platform called Anchor, uh, which guaranteed 20% yield on uh, Luna deposits. So uh, that's the first red flag. Like whenever you hear a you know financial company guaranteeing returns, uh, that's you know something to uh, you know be concerned about because returns can't be guaranteed. Uh, but this uh, this platform was uh, offering these uh, 20% returns for uh, Luna deposits. So in theory, this whole ecosystem uh, is what uh, was maintaining the USD uh, stable. Um, What happened uh, was that uh, there was a sudden uh, decline in the price of Luna. Uh, And this was very quick. And it was so quick that the ecosystem couldn't uh, react uh, fast enough to uh, make up for the uh, collateral that that had been lost for to back the stablecoin. Yep. So that that meant that there wasn't enough collateral to back the UST stablecoin, and so mm-hmm. uh, people started uh, selling off the the stablecoin, um, and and there was this like panic uh, and bank run. Uh, because the the stablecoin wasn't uh, didn't have enough uh, collateral, and so people kept continuing to sell it, and so it was harder to back it, and so it was this kind of death spiral, um, which you know uh, 
ended up in the whole house of cards collapsing. That was like billions uh, dollar ecosystem gone in just like a couple of days. Um, it was probably, it was the biggest crash in crypto history. It was, uh, I don't think anyone had expected something as catastrophic as, as that happening um, to this player. I mean, uh, before this, like Doquan was held as this like superstar, like um, the Terra Luna ecosystem. It was like uh, an example of, um, you know, innovation uh, in, in this space. Um, but, uh, you know, th there had been examples before of uh, crypto-backed stablecoins not working. And this had always been the case that when there's a, a little bit of uh, confidence lost, uh, then there's this kind of death spiral uh, that yeah. it, it's really hard to recover from. Um, yeah. and, and so that was uh, what happened uh, in this case. And the question here is, you know, was it a scam? Like, uh, did did Dokkan, um will like willingly um, trick people into buying uh, uh, Luna? Um, uh, I don't know. So the the issue is that you you had so many um, retail uh, investors. Yeah. Who, who ended up getting really hurt by this because, you know, you had people who were, who were holding this stable coin um, and who just wanted to make, a, you know, passive 20%. income um, yeah. from Anchor. And they were told, you know, I'm guaranteed 20% returns on this like thing that acts like a dollar. So it's a stable asset. So I, they were, from their point of view, they were in crypto, but, they weren't gambling. They were holding a stable coin and they were earning passive income. Um, yep. And so that's what's troubling about this. It's a lot of um, retail people got hurt. Um, so that's that's why this this is hard because on the one hand, like you you should know like the risk that you're getting into. Like um, everything, unlike FTX, like this was open finance. Like everything was yep. out in the open. It was. Uh, smart contracts that you could have audited. Uh, it was collateral that, um, again, like unlike FTX, unlike Three Arrows, on another uh, catastrophe of uh, last last year. And, uh, and they, they were gambling. Like they were making they, horrible yeah. bets on it, on weird NFTs and, and, and exactly. people compared but, to, yeah. But th that was like all behind closed doors, right? FTX, yeah. Three Arrows. Terra, on the other hand, was all out in the open. It was a, a blockchain. You could see the collateral. You could see the the, the price. Um, the, the market realized right away when the thing started spiraling out of control. Like nobody was able to hide it. Um, uh, so on the one hand, if if you if you were getting into anchor, an argument is it was all out there. It was all transparent for everyone to see. You should know what you're getting into. And mm -hmm. you took a, a, a bet, you took a risky bet, and, you know, it didn't pay off. On the other hand, you know, I see the, the, other, the other side where it's like retail, like individual investors were uh, guaranteed this return. They, they bought a stable coin and they got screwed. Um, and when, when you're dealing with, you know, fintech or traditional finance, you're not required to, you know, understand, uh, you know, 
to a finest degree to yeah. hold stocks or hold assets. So it's like people who are just buying these tokens, it's like, okay, like wh- why should I, you know, uh, learn pro- like this programming language and kind of uh, do a coding audit? Like they're not going to do that. So, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. So, so my so my question is, and this is where you in, an amazing job kind of explaining what happened, and and this is where I get to talk regulation, which is generally most people in blockchains, you know, least favorite thing. But but to me, regulation isn't a bad word. It's about consumer protection and and making sure that if if a someone's offering a financial vehicle uh, that's going to you know offer twenty percent or whatever the case is, that there's proper audits, proper security, proper you know, there's there's so many things right now we don't know about that that crash. Per se, but I I do believe that it was really kind of that that first iteration that then caused three arrows and and a variety of other things to happen down the road. Now there was a lot of other problems inside those other companies, but you know when you had this kind of first you know car that that took the whole house down, um, you know would have proper regulation, you know would have you know correct audits onto their security, what their platforms are, what their reserves are, how to you know doing the, the pressure testing and pen testing to ensure that like hey if you do suffer a fifty percent reduction in, in, in token price, you know what happens. Um, and so what what are your thoughts on you know I know nobody wants outside regulation, but how do we, as as an asset class, how do we adopt proper regulation that protects all of us? Because right now I can't tell people that crypto is a safer system than the traditional finance system. It's It, it may be in some ways, but there's, there's risks like this that are everywhere. Yeah. So my take on regulation um, is that, it, so in the case of, of, of Terra Luna, I am, I, I don't believe that regulators should have stepped in, in in that case because I think there there should be complete f- freedom for developers to experiment on top of open blockchain. Like in the end, you know, it's people uh, testing out these systems. Um, it, it, this experiment uh, didn't work. Uh, down the line, there will be others that will work. Um, and like I said. Um, it's well. It, it might not be safer in in all cases on the traditional financial system. At least it's transparent, uh, and you should you have the the chance of investigating what you're getting into. And when things start unraveling, at least you know um, in real time what's happening. Uh, okay. So you know, in the case of FTX, it took a leak by. Um, a, a news outlet to alert people that something was wrong uh, yeah. months after you know the, the first uh, problems actually began in the case of Luna people knew right away that some, some something was off so in that case I think it's it, it's a lot better than the tra- traditional financial system um, and again I don't think that um, that should be regulated I think their developers should have the freedom to experiment but I do think that um there there should be some um requirements of uh, reporting and disclosures uh, for investors who are uh, getting involved with these things because like i said you can't expect users to uh, have really sophisticated programming or financial knowledge to uh, hold crypto so i think there should be some minimal you know reporting uh, and 
you know, financial disclosures, uh, have, have people, uh, at least, uh, have the, the, the necessary materials to become educated on, on what they're buying. Um, and from then on, then it's everyone's own responsibility if they want to take on that, that risk or not, but at least, you know, the right disclosures are there. I think there's, it's different with um, centralized finance. So to me, like Terra Luna, that's decentralized finance. And it's uh, open source. Um, when uh, people uh, transact in these systems, they're holding their, their own um, keys, their own, you mm -hmm. know, private keys, their own wallets. Um, and it's why nobody was ever uh, restricted from uh, removing their deposits from Anchor, say, or from selling UST or from selling Luna if they had to. Unlike all the um, uh, all the failures of CFI that we later saw, like for uh, BlockFi and uh, other kind of centralized lenders where uh, people were uh, restricted from withdrawing. Um, that didn't happen in, in the case of Terra because it's, it's defined. You hold your own keys. You have control over your deposits. So I think that regulation is a, should be different um, because uh, I think the, the bar should be higher when there's a centralized entity that is holding uh, other people's money, that is custodying other people's money. I think that's where regulators should, should come in. Um, and I think there there should be a lot more, uh, you know, registering, uh, registration uh, requirements, licenses uh, requirements. Um, and to me, like one of the lessons of uh, all of the failures of last year was that I don't know that there should be a difference between CFI and uh, TradFi. Hmm. So I think like centralized crypto has been dealing in this kind of gray area where it's custodying people's uh, money you know it's it's responsible for people's funds uh, but it's it's not being treated in in the same way as a regular exchange is or a regular bank is and to me you know there, there's no real reason why they, they should be um, dealing in, in that gray area and, and that's where people get hurt and I think the SEC agrees with you on there because, you know, right now Coinbase is, is saying, hey, you know, we need, we need regulation. We need, you know, clarification. And, and the SEC is saying, you already have it. Go apply for a banking license. Go do, go do this. You know, we don't care. Um, you know, as an analogy of it doesn't matter if it's a gas powered car or electric car, you got to have a seatbelt. Um, and, and while I think it's, you know, that's overgeneralizing it, I'm not going to get into, you know, my feelings on, on Mr. Ginsler. Um, it, I think that there are a number of regulations that, that these companies can follow. They may feel that it's different. And I think the problem you have is what they're selling. Um, and what they're selling in a lot of cases, um, you know, let's, let's take Bitcoin and Ethereum and we'll just push those off to the side. But when you get into the meme coins, and that's my next question for you is like, how, how do we as an industry, because I, I don't feel, and this is my feeling, I don't feel there's any value to meme coins. I think they hurt more than they help. And, and for every person that has made money on it, you've got a wake of thousands, tens of thousands that have, that have lost lost money on it and are no longer interested in cryptocurrencies because they, they took a bet on a meme. 
Yeah. Um, so I think um, uh, just just to uh, go go back to the previous point uh, about regulation. So yeah, I think that uh, centralized crypto should uh, uh, register and and should you know uh, follow all the the laws and regulations of any anyone any other entity custodying people's money. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know we've we've heard from um, many different uh, players in the industry that it's not as easy as uh, Gensler is saying uh, to register. Uh, like people in crypto have been trying to comply, have been trying to play by the rules. Uh, they've been engaging in discussions with the SEC. Uh, they they're actually asking the SEC to give them clarity. And, you know, crypto is saying, give us a regulatory framework, tell us what steps to follow, tell us where to register, um, and we'll do it. But they're just not given any guidance. And so what, what ends up happening is that Gens are saying, follow the rules, but then crypto is like, okay, but how? And they, they're not getting an, any guidance. And then um, they instead of being very clear on what steps to follow, the SEC is instead uh, um, regulating by enforcement. So it's like, okay, uh, crypto uh, players in, in the U.S., uh, because they're not giving any guidance, you know, they, they go up, they, they set up shop, they start uh, yep. trading or, you, you know, doing their operations, and then the SEC comes and, and slaps, them, slaps them with a lawsuit. And so, you know, that's, that's how they, they end up knowing, okay, we were doing something wrong. Um, but it would have been a lot healthier if they had known beforehand what they can and, and, and cannot do. So I think that's, that's where the issue is uh, right now in the U.S. And it, and it truly, it, it's, it just hurts everyone. It, it's not protecting investors. It's limiting the growth of this industry. Uh, it's getting, you know, it's it's driving all the talent away outside of the U.S. Yeah, um, and I'm sure you I'm yeah. sure you see it this, just as much, if not more, than I do. Which is how many companies are just packing their bags and leaving. You know, they're they're moving overseas, and and you know, Micah I think is a is a great first step. <clears throat> you know, they they're they're continuing to evolve and, and grow that. But you know, the the point being is that they're at least thinking about this. They're they're holding conferences, they're holding hearings, they're they're wanting to to have this. Versus the the hearings and the work that we see in the United States, um, to me, I feel like you know Coinbase and Kraken and and Gemini and and all these guys did all this work with the SEC mm-hmm. to say, here's how our business operates. Here's here, come on in, we'll show you how everything works and and why we're so close. If you just do you know A, B, and C, like then we're there. And the SEC goes, that's great. And then they turn around, they sue them for A, B, and C. So it's like we're we're almost telling them how to sue, you know, the, the biggest players in our game. And I I just don't know how they believe that, that this is not going to go away. We're just going to yeah. get, you know, the United States is just going to get left behind in this massive, you know, financial revolution. Yeah. Uh, t- to me, it's, um, it's baffling. Like, I, I do not understand why uh, they're doing this. Like, I mean, why regulators are doing this. Uh, it has to be just, you know, pressure from traditional uh, finance, from the banking system. Maybe they feel threatened. Um, I don't know, like maybe it's, it's, there's, uh, the argument that it's a political play because Gensler thinks that this will, you know, play well with the current administration. So there's, you know, many theories, 
Um, but in the end, it, it doesn't really uh, make sense for the U.S. It doesn't make sense for investors. Uh, obviously, it doesn't make sense for the, the crypto industry. So um, I think, you know, uh, long term, um, what, what you'll get is that you had very uh, small kind of narrow minded uh, decisions based on uh, personal gain, based on kind of political reasons um, and, and not based on, you know, what, what should have been the focus, which is regular people, you know, investors. So, um, shifting, you know, a, a little bit in the conversation, uh, are you an Ethereum maxi? Do you, do you register with it, the term, um, or, or what's your feelings on kind of, do you believe there's going to be a chain that's going to kind of win, win this whole thing? Or is it going to be kind of a chain of chains, a chain agnostic world? Um, oh, and, and I realized we never got to the meme coin question. So happy. Oh, the meme coin. Come, yes, come we can't. We can't. We'll, one, uh, later on, but uh, yeah, let's let's jump. Oh, that's fine. No, we can, they'll edit something here. So, so meme coins. What's your what's your thought on these? Uh, okay, so meme coins. Um. So I, I think there there actually is some some value there. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, of course, there there's no kind of utility. Like you're you're not gonna use uh, Pepe Coin for anything, you know, other than oh, it's you know, it's a, a fun joke. Yeah. Um, but but I think that's 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 all the value. You know, it's uh, it's it's a joke. It's being in on a joke. Uh, it's almost like an NFT. Uh, it's being a part of. A community of you know people who like the who are in on the same joke that you are, um, and you just think it's funny. Like uh, um, the the first ever uh, meme coin was probably Doge, and it's for some reason it's stuck around. It's still kind of among the top ten, I think, biggest uh, cryptocurrencies out there. It doesn't do anything. Um, it's just a fork of the Bitcoin blockchain, but it hasn't gone through any of the updates. Uh, so you know, it, it's it's just people who like this Doge meme, uh, and they think the dog is cute or whatever, um, and, and and that's all. And same with Pepe, you know, people who are like extremely online, who are you know who live in the internet, um, they they like this uh, cartoon, they they feel identified. I don't know, whatever. And they just want to own it the same way that you would own a, a CryptoPunk or uh, a board ape. Uh, you you want to own Pepe coin. Um, there was even kind of this uh, Gensler coin on, I think the day that they sued Coinbase or something. No, on the day of the hearing, somebody issued a Gensler coin. And I was like, I was really close to buying it because I was like, this is hilarious. Like it's, it's almost like um, a memento of like that time in history that you can just hold it on your wallet. So I think that's that's kind of the the value in it. Um, it's just this like community uh, being being in on on a joke and and for some reason, you know, their communities uh, are actually you know can become like multi million dollar um, brands. You know, oh. that that's that's what happened with with uh, Word Apes and you know uh, and in yeah. like the non-crypto world as well like y you just have you know uh, brands that take off because of that because of this kind of uh, like more ethereal allure 
that, that they have. No, and I, and I, I completely agree with you. It, it's it's interesting to watch, and you know, I, I've I've made probably I think in uh, two years ago my largest gain was was from Doge, as I just go, you know what, I, it it was you know I don't know, whatever like a third of a cent, whatever the case is, and you just you buy a bunch of the stuff, and I go, I, I just I feel like if if in a bull run we're gonna you know you, Bitcoin's done its thing, Ethereum and all the alts have done this thing, like let's let's play around with this, and you know, okay, it's fine. Um, my my, what really to me is is so interesting is showcasing that anything can be you know have monetary value whether it's mm. a it's an NFT, of of random art, um you know a, a one of one of ten thousand you know AI generated you know somethings or just this this random meme coins because I think where this is leading in the future and I always say that you know, um you know Web three is all about ownership like whatever you want to own you're going to have it on here it's going to be on chain and it needs to survive forever and I think about things like Xbox points and you know mm-hmm. the the things that you know right now they just live in these siloed castles that no one can touch but at some point I mean I'd I probably have a ton of Qdoba, Qdoba points that I may or may not ever need. And if someone else mm-hmm. wants to buy them, you know, then these can create these little micro economies of, you know, hey, I, I eat here all the time, but I don't want to use the coins or vice versa. There's just, you know, an ROI to it. Um, is that kind of the way you see this, this really weird economy building where it's just DeFi is going to be constantly creating these liquidity pools of the most obscene and, and chaotic things you can imagine? And that's part of it for sure. It's yeah, the the, the ability to uh, tokenize uh, things that uh, that couldn't uh, have been tokenized before, or uh, and and that's another word of of saying just like put value on on things that uh, couldn't be valued before. Um, from yeah, like you uh, like Kudobo uh, points to likes on Twitter, you know, like yeah. uh, you know all all these things. Um, that were transactions online um now now can be uh yeah they 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 can have value they can be transacted uh and um and i think that i think that the, the the broader picture here of what's happening with with crypto and blockchain is that there's this new layer being built on, on top of the internet. And I think, you know, that's why I'm so bullish on, on DeFi and Web3. Uh, it's because it, it, it seems pretty inevitable to me um, that uh, that finance will be using uh, blockchains as infrastructure because it's it just is better rails for finance. You know, it's, it's these networks which were built to... Um, transact value in a way that our traditional finance infrastructure wasn't made for that. Uh, so things like um, SWIFT and ACH, that's based on just like really old uh, messaging technology. Like it's, it's, uh, it wasn't made for money, uh, but mm-hmm. blockchains were, uh, and they, they were, you know, they were made for uh having value transactions across the world in this very efficient way that doesn't require any intermediaries. Uh, so, you know, you should be able to cut costs, uh, cut uh, time in, in all your transactions. Um, and so if you, if you think of like the internet as being built on different protocol layers, so there's, you know, um, 
there's just the, the, the very basic node infrastructure for the internet. And then there's like the messaging layer. Then there's like the email layer. Um, and I have this whole uh, podcast episode um, with the founder of Filecoin uh, mm-hmm. on, on the super interesting where he explains, you know, how like the internet is, is actually made up of like all these different protocols. So what blockchain actually does is it adds one more protocol to the internet so that, you know, we have um, messaging, we, we have email, we have, you know, all, all these different standards that the, the web is made up of. Now we have a new standard that's made for money. And it's so much better than, you know, the old standard that we're using for, for traditional finance. Now we're using some a, a new standard that uh, plays well with the rest of the web that can integrate with all of the different applications that we use. Um, and so that, you know, all these uh, tokens that give value to different things that just couldn't have value before, like Qdobo uh, points or like Twitter lights or streams or whatever, um, uh, or like, you know, JPEG monkeys or whatever it is, uh, now can have value and can be integrated with your, you know, everyday uh, application so i think you know that that's what's exciting uh, about this uh, i think kind of like all the meme coin media is just a, a, such a small part of crypto um it's a shame that that's what you know a, a lot of people it's, it's like all they see because they see that's where they get that's where the attention yeah yeah, yeah. It, it gets the headlines because it's it, for a variety of reasons um so so circling back to one of my questions before you know, and 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 um, you know, my belief is, you know, I'm chain agnostic. I think there's a lot of amazing chains out there. I think they all kind of serve the purpose. And um, you know, at some point, we're going to get to the, this world of, you know, chains and bridges and wallets, and it's just all like nobody right now on the on the internet cares who's hosting the website. Is it Azure? Is it S3? Nobody, it doesn't matter. Does it work? And and is it, is it a good user experience? And right now, there's still a lot of fiefdom. <laughs> you know, like, I'm in the ETH world. I'm, you know, I, I'm over in, in AVAX and a variety of other things. What's your what's your feelings on where this is going to evolve to or where it should evolve to right now? Um, yeah, so I'm definitely not any, any kind of maxi either. Uh, also, chain agnostic um despite you know you might think like with with my book behind me i i i i I might be like an ethereum maxi but but no i i think um i think that um there will be a a few blockchains that uh, end up kind of uh, consuming most of our our time um and i don't think it'll be you know dozens of them uh, because there there are network effects like there, there is just efficiencies of a lot of people being in the same place like uh, uh, just like liquidity being in the same place so i don't think that you can have a lot of fragmentation uh, across many different blockchains um because uh, you know, like just like bridging technology might might get super efficient, but th- there there's always there's still risk when whenever you're going from like one chain to another. So no. um, I, I don't think it'll be feasible to to have like so much fragmentation, um, and I don't think it's uh, feasible either to have a single blockchain do 
all things uh, because there are different trade-offs in each chain, um, which means that different chains are better for different things. Um, to me, uh, Bitcoin has really proved itself as this digital gold. It's yep. just like this very resilient uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, it's it's been around the longest. It's it's very hard to change it, and, and I think that's that's a good thing. Um, I think it, it it was so interesting to me to see the reaction of um, of Bitcoin in the banking crisis in the U.S. recently, when all these kind of regional banks started um, getting into trouble or or, or failing, um, and at the same time. Uh, a stable coin uh, were called into question because they had deposits in these banks. Yeah. So you had like nowhere to run. Uh, it was like you couldn't go to stable coins because you didn't know if uh, their their collateral was in these banks. Um, and and then everything else was super volatile. Uh, people, you know, are aren't trusting even the U.S. dollar very much uh, because of inflation. Yeah. So, you know, Bitcoin was, I, I think, people did start to see it as what its original purpose, which is this hedge against um, chaos, uh, against just like major failure of the traditional financial system. Um, so I think, you know, that's what Bitcoin is great at. But it's not great as uh, this uh, platform for building uh, applications uh which that that's ethereum uh so you have DeFi being built on ethereum um but then ethereum isn't great at having really fast cheap you know high throughput uh, and that could be l2s but it could be a, a third chain uh mm -hmm. where m maybe uh you don't need all the security that you need for financial applications that you have on ethereum but maybe that's okay for like gaming or like social media and so maybe that can be built on a different blockchain or on layer twos so i think that's that's how it's going to play out i think we'll have a handful of chains um that they are each good at you know different aspects different uh, applications and hopefully we'll have a better kind of bridge technology that will connect everything um and kind of an abstraction layer that means that the end user doesn't have to care uh, what what it is that they're actually using. Um, I, I absolutely love in this conversation, and and really, it's because you see everything. You know, mm -hmm. I, for every story I'm sure that's online, there's dozens that didn't make it, and so that 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 wealth of knowledge in your brain is is just you know growing every single day. Um, the biggest challenge I have right now, and and I love you know I'm I'm a big Bitcoin fan. I'm not a maxi, but I, I believe mm -hmm. it's it is just as you said one of the most important parts of our ecosystem. Um, and mining is is also you know just critical to what this is. And we see massive public companies investing you know insane amounts into alternative energy. So I really do believe that that Bitcoin's proof of work is a net positive uh, mm -hmm. for humanity. But but now there's people messing with Bitcoin, um, and, and I specifically mean ordinals. And so I'd love before I go any further than that, just to hear your thoughts on you know is, is this a, a good or bad thing for um, Bitcoin? Ordinals is, is so interesting. Um, it, it just like you know, like I said before, like Bitcoin has been there, stable, like not changing much until just like recently. It seems like there's like this explosion of 
activity happening and it's it's messing things up like it's uh it's getting um the network congested it's uh it making fees i think at, they're at the highest ever uh, i believe um so i think it's 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 hard to say whether ordinals are 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 good or bad for bitcoin i think like my my initial reaction when when i saw it and when i saw what was happening was that this is great like um there's innovation there's activity happening on on bitcoin for you know maybe the first time ever um or by the most ever um and it, and it looked like they they were the developers behind this were trying to do a lot of the things that are being done on ethereum so they were issuing nfts then they had this kind of hacky way of getting uh, a token standard similar to the ERC-20 token, which they call the BRC-20 token. And so the idea is to have like fungible tokens issued on Bitcoin. Um, and this is something that people have been trying to do forever. Like there was this project called Colored Coins, like very early on in the Bitcoin history. Um, and that's where actually Vitalik started thinking about yep. Ethereum because it was just so hard to do on Bitcoin. Um, so anyways, I mean, this has been something that Bitcoin developers have been trying to do. Now it looks like it's kind of starting to take off, uh, with Ordinal. So, you know, I, it, it, it looks like a really positive development to me. Um, but at the same time, I, I do see where Bitcoin maxis or, or some of them are coming from on Twitter where, you know, they, they, they aren't very happy about Ordinal's. Um, and that's because, you know, the good thing about Bitcoin is it's, it's stable, it's digital gold. You can transact with it a, a lot, uh, for a lot cheaper than you can uh, on, on Ethereum mainnet. Uh, because there's, there's not much happening other than, you know, just like Bitcoin transactions. So you don't have just like the bloat of all these, you know, complicated programming transactions that happen on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Um, that elevate gas costs. So it, it does kind of start to undermine this like very simple, but very useful um, uh, use case uh, for Bitcoin. So it, it's hard to say. I, I, I'll lean uh, towards saying that any innovation is, is a plus. Um, and in the end, um, for, for people holding Bitcoin and, and, you know, using the Bitcoin network, I think it's, it's good to have more use cases and more stuff uh, to do on, on Bitcoin. Uh, and maybe, you know, they'll, they'll have to, uh, start using layer two, like, just like uh, on yeah. Ethereum. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's coming. Global adoption is going to need lightning. And I think lightning's done an amazing job. Um, of providing scaling, you know, in a, in a really, really, really uh, well orchestrated way. Um, as we kind of bring it to a close, let's let's uh, circle back in with the Defiant and what you guys have uh, planned because there's <laughs> you're in podcasting, you're on TV, mm -hmm. you got you know there's books. I mean, it's amazing. So, what are you guys working on now? Yeah, so um, I'm super excited uh, with what we're building at the Defiant. Um, with my background at uh, Bloomberg, to me, um, it's it's very clear the the link that there is between content and data um and so uh, at the defiant i i want to bring that uh, as well to DeFi. um mm. so i believe that in 
you know, the future of finance uh, needs a professional, high quality financial journalism. Uh, I think that uh, most uh, crypto media up until this point have been um, focused on just, you know, general crypto news. So we're trying to uh, be a lot more focused on, on finance reporting, uh, specifically on DeFi and Web3. So just really trying to bring smart content and analysis on, on that uh, sector within crypto. Um, and to complement it with um, a really powerful data platform mm. for uh, investors and an analysts to really quickly and easily access uh, blockchain data and be able to, um, you know, visualize it and analyze it in a really highly uh, customizable and personalized front end. So uh, kind of like um, a very terminal-like uh, platform. So that's what we're we're building. Uh, so we're excited to uh, to have that live in the next uh, few months. We have uh, a closed beta right now that's open to our uh, paying subscribers. That you know they can see kind of the the very first skeleton of our uh, defiant terminal. Um, so so that's that's kind of on the platform side of things. And then uh, more broadly, I'm. You know, we're also exploring how to become truly Web3 native. Mm. Uh, and so build the Defiant in a more open way that allows for uh, outside contributors and uh, allows us to uh, reward and incentivize uh, those contributors. Uh, so um, thinking about what a, what a, um, a, a DAO would, would look like for, for the Defiant, uh, and and also thinking about journalism as as a public good. So if there's a way to uh, incentivize um, investigative uh, journalism with this more uh, DAO structure, uh, because I think it's it's pretty clear, especially in the past couple of weeks, with like uh, Vice, a part of Vice going bankrupt, uh, yep. Buzzfeed also. Um, and there's just, it's been like a, a, a progression of, uh, of, of news media just, um, shutting down, uh, especially like the investigative, more, uh, in depth kind of journalism. Um, th there's, there's not enough resources, uh, for it to thrive. Yeah. So. I think we, we have a really good opportunity in Web3 to use these new tools um, yeah. and, and find a new model uh, for, for well, journalism. Yeah, one thing I can say is, is scrolling through your podcast, which is extensive. And I, I don't think there's anyone in the industry that you haven't spoken to yet. <laughs> um, and you know, when I hear you talking about that, it, it reminds me of Nader and, and Deso, uh, Decentralized Social. And I, you know, I love what he did. And, and I think that you know, it, it's had to take a couple pivots a few ways because <laughs> social media websites are hard enough. And then a blockchain-based one is, is really hard. But I loved you know, what, what, uh, what Deso was doing, which is each, each person was a brand. Each page was its own brand with its own coin and, and it made it really easy. Um, but as you said, it's, it's, you know, there's no right or wrong way at this point. We're so early in this asset class. So um, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming by and, and we hope to have you on Fireside or Deep Dive. Um, but absolutely a, a pleasure and, and wishing you guys the best of luck and we'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was, it was great. Fantastic. Thanks again. 
Why Whales, this is Camilla Russo uh, with The Defiant, and we'll see you guys next time. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. Why Whales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.